welcome to uh, the workshop is all about cultivating mission beyond our believing circles and beyond our church fellowship structures. Uh, we can get used to uh, putting all our relational investment within the church and then what happens is the world is left out of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't want to do that, not when the church is all about the Great Commission, even as Will was talking about. It's, it's about mixing believers with unbelievers, and in that mix, seeing believers little by little, or sorry, unbelievers, come into the kingdom of God. We need the fellowship with one another. I'm going to impart some vision and hopefully some fire for this. Uh, maybe ignite a little bit of the fire or remind us even of the fire that Jesus had for this. And then uh, we're going to get a little bit of time as well to do some sharing, to spur one another on, maybe with some things we've done, uh, maybe some things that God has been inspiring that are in our hearts already, maybe some things that you'll be inspired with just by being here. God will put something in your heart and you say, you know, I'm seeing this and I feel like God wants me to do this. And that'll be just an application ahead of you then. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. I was with my wife and I was like, I, I think that this would be thrust in the heart of this, this whole workshop. Uh, the Apostle John was raving. By the way, you'll hear me say Apostle because Apostolos, I'm so used to that. And my, my you know, Rob... The other pastor saying, it's apostle in English. It's apostle. I said, that sounds like you've got like, something wrong with your teeth. <laughs> Apostello, apostolos, apostle, okay. Uh, the apostle John was raving about fellowship with God. He was declaring that the one who was from the beginning, the very source of life, the one who is called the Word of life, the one uh, who pre-existed creation and coexisted with the Father—that's the Gospel of John and Colossians 1:16. Who, through whom, and for whom all things exist, the very source of our existence, the very reason uh, for our existence. He became human. He came down to earth and dwelt among us, and he's like testifying about this. And we saw him. We were eyewitnesses, John said. We, we walked with Him. We, we beheld his, all the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Things like Him commanding wind and waves and those, those things lining up under His words. We saw all the evidence that He was God in the flesh and we, we saw and touched and ate with Him and, and we had fellowship with Him. And then beyond that, you know, Jesus went to the cross and He died for our sins and He rose from the dead on the third day, ascended to glory, and just like He said He would, He poured out the Holy Spirit and has been pouring out the Holy Spirit and will continue to pour out the Holy Spirit beyond that Pentecost generation right up to His return. The outpouring will continue. And we have received the Holy Spirit. We've been born of God and along with the apostles and along with the early church disciples, we have fellowship in the Spirit with God the Father and God the Son, just like they did. 
we've come into this fellowship. And John said, our joy is made complete when others who are not there yet come into fellowship with us and ultimately into the fellowship we have with God. That was his heart. That was his joy. We are joyful in what we have experienced and received, but our joy is not yet complete until we see others from family to, to neighbors to strangers being brought into the kingdom of God, welcomed in with our lives. This workshop is about believers teaming up somehow with whatever way God inspires them to do this because there are many ways to do what we're going to be talking about. Teaming up to welcome unbelievers into the kingdom of God with their fellowship. Come into our fellowship and eventually into fellowship with God. That's the vision. That's the hope in it. What is the practical side of this outreach that I believe every Christian can practice? It's very practical. We're told to practice it. And every believer can can engage in this and, and even participate in teaming up and facilitating this kind of outreach. I once saw uh, a vision of our church door, but it, it transformed. The, the plain door that it was became like a, a colonial-looking type of door, like some sort of grid, a chocolate bar. Think of a chocolate bar with a bunch of little uh, boxes in it. And I, I walked out, and before leaving, I broke off a piece and took it with me. And I thought, what does that mean? And I felt like God said, there's not only one door for people to come into the kingdom. Don't limit it to your Sunday morning door. Don't limit it to your church structures, your house groups, your cell groups. There are many more doors that you and others can open. Get everyone breaking off a piece, one of these doors, and going out there and multiplying the doors, the points of entry where the world can come into fellowship with citizens of the kingdom. That's what we are. They're strangers. Multiply the possibilities of them coming in. And so, came up with this thing called kingdom hospitality. It's not just plain hospitality, but kingdom hospitality. It's something that Jesus did and demonstrated, and I believe he wants multiplied by us. What is hospitality, and what does it have to do with reaching the lost? The Greek word for hospitality is philoxenos. You see it up there on the board in Greek and in English. The word xenos, you know, I don't know if you've ever played the Trivial Pursuit. Uh, it pronounced in English xenos or xenophobia. It's not that where you're afraid of strangers or you stay away from strangers or you resist the idea of ever welcoming strangers. Philoxenos, philos, is one of those Greek words for love, and it's a friendship kind of love. It's a befriending kind of love. It's a, it's a, it's a love that reaches out and invests in the stranger and embraces and welcomes them in and brings them into fellowship. Philoxenos. What does that have to do with reaching the lost? Jesus was philoxenos. The very word philoxenos, is, is, it means hospitable. He was hospitable. He came quite a distance to actually welcome the world into the kingdom. And he shortened the distance 
between those who were far away from God and God Himself going in this gap and making it possible for them to come into vital contact and saving contact with the kingdom. The king himself did this. And he brought his disciples into it. And his disciples, John began to cast vision for practicing this, welcoming the world in. How did Jesus practice it? Well, we see one case in point, Matthew chapter 9. I'll just tell you what I call this picture here with Matthew 9. You know, Matthew, Levi, the the tax collector, the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, he called him out of his lifestyle, his tax collecting work, to follow him. And Matthew threw a, a little party. And I call this party a kingdom party mix. Kingdom party mix because there were believers there and unbelievers. Jesus brought His disciples, those who were believing in Him and following Him, right into this invitation. And they sat and they ate with each other and fellowship with one another. Now, there were people who did not like Jesus, especially the religious leaders of the day. They, they criticized Him and they murmured against this kind of stuff. Like, well, look, what, what are you doing? If, you're, if there's anyone to hang out with, it would be us. Not them. Not such... Sinners are, New Living Translation, such scum, such write-offs. And Jesus, these are people. This is who I came for. And he, he rebukes them and he's saying, the doctor doesn't do the house calls for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. And he's like, go back to the scriptures and do your homework on this. You, you've memorized the scriptures, but you have not understood them. Go find out what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Esplachnia is the Greek word for mercy. It's when your vital organs inside are revved up to the red zone to such a degree where you feel desperate to act, desperate to reach out, desperate to do something with those who are so far from the kingdom, those who are strangers or estranged. And here's Jesus coming down to earth and going all the way into their homes and eating and fellowshipping with them, reaching them, and making it possible for them to come back or come in to the kingdom of God. And he was being criticized for it. In the end, he said, the Son of Man didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. You should be understanding this and doing it yourself as leaders and influencing others to do the same. You guys remember the story of Zacchaeus. I'm just going to give you a snippet of it. He was a chief tax collector. So now Jesus is being criticized for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And then you got like a chief. And he's up in the trees keeping his distance. He's getting a bird's eye view of the one coming through who he heard about who probably thought he would never have any fellowship with Jesus. And there's Jesus spots him. And he tells him, come down here. You and I are going to fellowship today. I have to come to your place and hang out with you today and eat with you. And he was amazed and delighted that Jesus was welcoming him. And so he welcomed Jesus to his home. And in one sitting, his life was changed. In one sitting, he was inspired to repent of whatever lifestyle he had before. He said, right here, right now, Lord, I give away half 
of what I have to the poor. And if I've ripped anyone off, I give back four times. He was lining himself up with the law and with scriptures. He was encouraged by the Lord hanging out with them. I don't know what happened in their interaction, but he was impacted and changed for the good. And here's Jesus, not only practicing this, but demonstrating it for us to see it in Him and to do the same. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And hospitality, kingdom hospitality, has something to do with the Great Commission, and it has something to do with us being ministers and messengers of reconciliation. We will never be able to reconcile people if we don't have anything to do with them. We can't be like the religious leaders of that day. It shortens the gap. It facilitates vital connections. It connects believers with unbelievers, lost brothers and sisters with those who are now in fellowship with Jesus, and it exposes those who are lost to the Lord so that the possibility of them moving from, let's say, a minus 10 out of 10 to a minus 9 and a minus 8 and a minus 7. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a picture of, of from death and separation all the way up to life in fellowship with the Lord. It, it actually increases the possibilities of them being ushered into the kingdom when we're connecting like this. I'm going to get Aaron to just kind of get us going a little bit on the sharing side of things. Aaron did something that God inspired her to do and she's going to tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I'm, I am a mom. I have two kids and I stay at home with them. Uh, ages one and two. And uh, yeah, the Lord has given us a very large house and uh, he put it on my heart to start like a mom's ladies group. So I call it ladies coffee break because it's not just mom. But um, mostly moms. <laughs> and yeah, so I've... <coughs> There's this one mom um, who I met at the park, and the Holy Spirit just put on my heart to invite. Like, I started chatting with her, and the Holy Spirit said, like, invite her to your mom's group. So I invited her to my mom's group. The next week she came, and um, she overheard at the mom's group. Like, we just sit, and we drink coffee, and the kids play. There's nothing spiritual about it, seemingly, (laughs) on the surface. But, um, yeah, and so she heard one of me and another mom who goes to our church talking about house groups. She said, oh, what's house group? So I was like, oh, well, this is house group. And I kind of told her, you know, it's kind of like a Bible study, whatever. And so she's like, oh, can I come? I was like, sure, you can come. <laughs> so she started coming to house group. She brought her, I think that time she only brought one kid. But um, now she brings three of her kids and comes to house group every week. She's come to church every, like, basically every week since. I think she's missed, like, one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but just just really impacted, I guess, and and her, yeah, her kids go around praying around the house now. Like, <laughs> it's just been such an impact on their family. And to see also our church body just come around that family. Because for a while that, um, well, actually the dad is still out of a job. And, but she, the mom has found a job now. And, um, just, yeah, it was a really rough season for their family just to have our church body come around. And, and you know, someone gave them coats for the kids for fall and bought them car seats and people have taken them out for a lunch or whatever, like just um, that the church body has taken them into. Um, And and she has faith. Yeah. Like something happened in the house group hearing about God and stirred up in her faith. She believes in God from from the looks of things. Totally, yeah. She, you know, she has, she brings prayer requests and she she even prays, like, and she was saying that one day her father-in-law, well, 
kind of father, her boyfriend's father, um, had a stroke, and she got together with the kids at their house, and they prayed for them, and we had an elder installment at church a few weeks back, and she wasn't able to come, um, but she texted the, the new elder and was like, we're praying for you from home, you know, we can't be there because we're sick, but... So it's, yeah, there is a real faith taking root there. And and especially in her children, too. I'm amazed to see awesome. what's coming up. And her boyfriend came to church to yeah. make sure this isn't something bad. <laughs> and he's, we came to house group once as well, so we're praying for him, too. Yeah. yeah. So there's a case in the point. Uh, believers, unbelievers, together in a mom's group, and just by hanging out, more doors opened up. And there she is, walking from a minus all the way into a... Uh, positively walking with the Lord. Anyone else have any things you might have done that that looks like this? This party mixing idea. This you're facilitating some sort of gathering intentionally that has affected someone who has not been in fellowship with the Lord toward the Lord. We have a similar ministry in Fargo with um, several of us in the leadership team, um, and then also some leaders from another church fellowship. We get together on the college campus. Um, okay and invite international students' wives to come and gather with us, and our kids play, and we drink chai and hang out in fellowship. Ah. We've been doing this every week for almost six years now, and the Lord's really blessed it. We've seen only one salvation from it at this point, but a lot of women who um, very close off to Christianity, um, very strong in their faith that they come from from their countries, um, really start to open up and soften towards the gospel. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. Some scriptures. You know, regarding hospitality, uh, one scripture that's famous, it's only two words, it says practice hospitality. The Greek is actually more words, which is surprising. It says, tin philoxenia diokondes. And the word philoxenia is hospitality, love for the stranger, but diokondes means run after it, pursue it, make it your vocation, study it, and be specialize in it. Learn what what is it, and what is what's God's heart in it, and then get into uh, getting good at it. I came up with this acronym AIM. Get good at the aim, attitude, investment, mentality. The attitude is an all-inclusive one. Jesus had one, and we're not to have a closed circuit ment- circle mentality, but a, a one that opens doors constantly. One either that's welcoming or going to the unbelievers. Uh, the investment is invest your best. You've received so much freely. Freely give what you've received. And the mentality is an ushering one. You are in a transient time here on earth, a very short time in terms of eternity and where you're headed and all that's been set for you as a co-heir with Christ. You, you have everything. And in our little bit of time, the Lord is saying... Give and extend and have compassion and do what I've done to bring others in so that they might also be part of that. In Hebrews 13.2 it says, Do not forget to entertain strangers. Lismonite, forget, actually means don't neglect it. You end up neglecting it when you're forgetting it or putting it out of your mind. You're hearing about practice hospitality and then it just kind of gets put on the wayside. He's, he's, he's telling us, focus on this. Think about it. Pray about it. Concentrate on it and get into doing it. It's, it's actually got great potential for wonderful things to happen. Uh, I think of a little cartoon clip. Odie the dog. 
and uh, Garfield the cat. And Garfield was sitting at a table. It, it was decked out with food, knife, and fork in hand. He was ready to uh, indulge, ready to enjoy this feast in his nice little warm house. And just outside, just across the window, across the room and through the window, there he is. It's Odie out on his porch with his t teeth chattering. He's out in the cold and he's, he's looking through the window hoping that uh, he'd be welcomed in. And Garfield couldn't just eat. He, he stopped and he dropped everything. And he walked across the room and he, he reached out and he pulled down the blinds. <laughs> out of mind, now I can enjoy myself. That's what the rich man did with Lazarus in the parable that Jesus gave in Luke 16. And that was not something positive. It was absolutely a negative that he was rebuked for. And he ended up in hell. But I'm not saying you can end up in hell because you're not practicing hospitality. But what I'm saying is the scriptures are exhorting and encouraging us to do this, to not neglect those out there. And we're talking about spiritually those who are far from God. Don't forget them. Don't put them out of mind. Don't shut. Don't pull the blinds down and get used to them being lost and you being saved. But it's like, my joy will be complete when I see you coming into this fellowship as well. Which brings me, well, maybe I'll give an example. We did some things. When we moved into, ironically, our home in Garfield Street. <laughs> uh, you know, we prayed, we consecrated the home, we said, Lord, let it be a home beyond ourselves, uh, a ministry. And we bought this barbecue. Let's go buy a barbecue. Bought the biggest one I can buy with my wife. And I was like, this is for the neighborhood, not just for us. And we had that first barbecue the first summer and put out a flyer at every home and knocked on every door. And they're like, why are you doing this? And it's like, just looking to gather you as neighbors and connect with each other. And uh, the flyer said, shish kebab for free at 733. That's where we live, 733 Garfield. <laughs> and 50 people came. Wow. And then the next time we thought, yeah, we can't just do this ourselves. Let's bring our house group into it. And we did it with our house group. We even did a brunch. Oh, let's do a brunch. I've never run a cafe. I've always wanted to. I'm going to have a cafe in my backyard. And we cooked all this food and we're serving coffee. I saw my house group loving my neighbors. That's what I was stunned with the picture of looking and serving and hanging out with them. And, and it, just the whole backyard was full of people. You can facilitate hospitality easily. You can bring believers and unbelievers together very easily. That's not, that, that's not a hard thing to do. I'm trying to spur that on in us. When it was in the yard, I thought, we've got we to make this e more easier for them to come, more accessible. So we, we did the Boulevard Barbecue. There's no trees on, on Garfield Street. And so we, when the barbecue's there, you can see it. And the flyer said, when you see the smoke rising, just come. I was thinking of my mom's village where one giant barbecue at my uh, uncle's tavern would collect so many circles of people who would come and eat and socialize and mingle with one another and stay there for hours. And I thought, I'm going to do that. And so I invited the whole church. 
These guys will never go to church, some of these people in my neighborhood. But I'll bring my church to them. And I, I brought the church into the neighborhood. So many, so many of us came from our church and brought neighbors. And they, the neighbors started buying into it. They started bringing food. They started bringing, like one guy's a hunter. He brought venison. Everybody's loving that. And the mingling was amazing. Things happen when believers and unbelievers mingle together. And all I'm doing is facilitating the gathering, the hospitality. There was an actor who wasn't part of the neighborhood, got invited into it too. He kept going to the house to get alcohol. Wherever they're at, you're bringing them in. And this guy died that year when we did that. Like There was a guitar flowing around, secular songs, Christian songs, people joining in. It's just all sorts of things happen in the mix. The guy that did the eulogy lives on my street. He said, I, I just wanted to let you know that barbecue was the highlight of his year. Wow. Thinking, why? How was it the highlight of his year? I don't know what happened to that guy. But that night he was having a great time and I don't know how he was touched, but he was in. And we have a guy like David who's across the street. We always thought of David as just David and his drinking buddies. Always on the porch, always hanging out, always drinking on the weekends. I went over to his house and I said, why don't you come to this? Ah, I don't know. Look, just, just come over, you're right across the street. He buys all these groceries <laughs> and he brings them there and he sits on one of the seats, doesn't eat anything. Not the shish kebab, not anything. And he goes, no, no, I, I just wanted to be here. So he made it. And uh, I sat down with him and we talked and he said, uh, you know, I'm spiritual. And then he told me all the things he collected over time from various religions that made him think he was spiritual. And I said, well, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus too. And I said, hmm, Jesus said you're not going to ever see the kingdom or enter the kingdom unless you're born of his spirit. He's, he's got a gift that he's giving every human being. It's the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the Holy Spirit to be made alive spiritually. Otherwise, you're just spiritual but dead. Have you ever heard of this? I've never even heard of this before, is what he's telling. You want to receive it right now? No, 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 not right now. <laughs> Let me think about it. But I've never even heard of this. All sorts of beautiful things happening. They might not instantly come to the Lord, but they are in touch with the kingdom as this kind of stuff happens. Citizens of the kingdom, ultimately they may come all the way into the kingdom one day. We can't rush it with some people. We've got to kind of be where exactly where they're at but we're actually opening doors and opening the way for them to enter. I'm going to give you one last scripture. Jesus was at a certain uh, banquet or, or feast in Luke 14, and he looked at the host, and I guess publicly there, he said, when you give a luncheon, this is his hospitality vision. He says, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. That's what we all do. We invite them, they invite us. And Jesus says, you know, when they invite you back, you know, you're already repaid. And he goes, pretty much, what, what is the reward for the kingdom in that? But then he turns it around. He's like, you know, break out of this closed circle mentality where you're just circulating the same kind of inviting. I invite you, you invite me, I invite you, you invite me, and then we die. <laughs> break out of that and he says when you give a banquet invite the poor invite the crippled invite the lame the blind he's saying invite those who are less fortunate 
and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's telling us, break out beyond our closed circles and reach out to those who are not so fortunate in this world. Consider those who would benefit the most and invite them. Consider those who are not as fortunate as you are and welcome them in. And you're thinking, well, am I thinking too highly of myself? I'm going to bring this to a spiritual uh, perspective regarding the principle and the vision. In terms of who are the least fortunate on the planet, it is the lost and the dying. They are the least fortunate. And who are the most fortunate on the planet? It is, it's, it's those who are citizens of God's kingdom, already assured of that life and glory in the future. Co-heirs with Christ, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. All of that is ours. We're already assured of that. And he's telling us, invite those who are lost into this. Invite Odie into this. Invite Lazarus into this. Invite the lost. Find a way to make a way for them to come into fellowship with you. And as John said, our fellowship is with God. Ultimately, find their way into fellowship with God, the fellowship you have with God, that they might also be brought into that. This is, I believe, Jesus' ultimate heart for believer towards unbeliever in this world. Wondering if anyone else has something in their minds that they're thinking, okay, I heard some stuff here. That you can talk about something you've done that might encourage us. Or something you see yourself, hmm, I could do this. It could be small, a small party mix. It could be right over coffee. I've done it with my mentoring one-on-ones. I thought, I'm going to break these mentoring one-on-ones. I'm going to bring unbelievers into them so that they get exposed to what we're doing. It's affected them. What might you be able to do that's a little different that includes or brings in those who are not yet in fellowship with the Lord? I'm keeping in touch with a former neighbor of mine uh, who is um, a fairly staunch Catholic. Okay. And um, we, we talked. Um, I tried to keep it comfortable with her and not get you know, too intense. But we, we talked about our faith somewhat. Uh, when I moved away, I've kept in touch with her and recently felt when I was having her for lunch that I really needed to kind of zero in on who Jesus was for, for her. Hmm. And, um, you know, you're thinking of an opportunity and so on. And, and then she opened it up kind of by saying, well, my priest said such and such the other day. And then hmm. it just kind of led me into yeah. it. And um, I had also brought, I was, I'm trying to downsize and I was going through my books and I remembered a book I had by a priest who, who got into the charismatic movement and, and he had already decided to leave the priesthood um, because it had no fulfillment and then he became alive in Christ. Hmm. And so I brought the book along to share with her and gave it to her and then as, as we talked I just said, more about who Jesus was for me and when she complained about her son and his attitude and so on, I said, well, that's where prayer comes in. Mm. We just need to Mm. keep praying for these people and believing in prayer. Mm. So I'm just hoping to keep continuing that and and now ask her, you know, how how did you find the book? Yeah. um, Just 
whatever. There it is. So fellowshipping with her over time and opening things up for her to to look at and to consider and to to walk in potentially with you. That's awesome. I would just like to give a personal example and and encouragement to the ladies who are involved in mom's program. Uh, When my children were one and three, I started going to a mom's group, morning out for moms at a local church. My husband and I hadn't been attending church. We had both grown up. uh, My husband had grown up in a a Christ-focused church. Mine was a united church, so although I knew about Jesus, I certainly didn't have a personal relationship with him. And as a result of going to that mom's group, I was so touched, I said to one of the girls one day, could I come to this church? And she said, well, of course. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, um, we now have, um, we're both very strong Christians, uh, are actively involved in Gateway, and one of our sons, um, both our sons know Christ, but one of them walks very strongly, is a teacher at a Christian school. Mm -hmm. Our grandchildren are growing up with the faith, and Mm -hmm. we would not be here where we are today in our Christian walk if it weren't for somebody taking an interest in us and somebody talking about God at a mom's group. So just be encouraged, ladies. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, we also have uh, one of the ladies at our church uh, who's a mom, and and, uh, she really felt that uh, she wanted to get to know the ladies in the neighborhood where she lived. So she was, she was in the playground, she got to know these ladies, she talked to them, you know, and eventually she started inviting them over to her home. And it just grew and grew, and, and so uh, now she's sort of approached the church, and then we said, sure, we're opening the doors, so she's going to start bringing them. It's just a bigger place, it's not, no threat, just a bigger place, so she's going to bring them in, and, and uh, hoping that a lot more show up. And, Excellent. Uh, so it just comes under the umbrella of the church to help her out. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so yeah. It's awesome. We're Through connection, we open up more and more doors yeah. in the fellowship, right? Yeah. Uh, we moved to Auburn in 2015, and, uh, <coughs> which is just open with a big Auburn's college and seminary. But, um, but the only church in the community is a French Catholic church, and... Uh, and we, when we moved there, we moved very intentionally with we want to connect with our with the community. There's only a few hundred people that live there. <coughs> um, so uh, throughout the years, we've, we've connected actually with many of the people. We know everyone who lives around the four streets that are around us, basically. And um, we live right beside the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I'm not French, I don't speak French. I took French for eight years in school, and that was not very successful. <laughs> um, but we attend Calvary Chapel in Steinbeck, and so usually there's an 9 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service, so we go to the 11 o'clock one. But the Catholic Church has their uh, Mass um, from 9.30 to 10.30. Okay. And uh, so uh, right from the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to go there just to connect with people. And so there's about 40 people that go there on average, and they're, I mean, they're all over 50. But um, what a what a neat place to connect with people. I mean, I get a little bit out of what's being said or whatever, and, and but just to be able to connect with the people, developing relationships, we've been able to develop so many relationships with so many people in the community. It's been really good. We started a small group last year, just inviting people to come, and so we've had a few families come. Okay. Good. So you went in there. They were welcome to your fellowship. You you were welcomed into theirs. Mm-hmm. And Things have been born out of that. Yeah. 